time now for the first half of your evening news here on KCIM. This is Abby Ward reporting. District 4 U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra met with around 15 constituents during the What's Happening series at the bakery on Broadway in Audubon this morning. Feenstra started the discussion by introducing items he is currently working on for daycare incentives. The daycare issue is always the cost of running a daycare, so you have to pay the worker, versus the cost of having my child go to daycare. And that's always a push-pull, meaning, all right, should I, as a parent, should I stay home with my kids? Or am I going to pay the dollars for daycare and what makes sense? And it's so hard in small communities to balance that. So we've been trying to work with whether it be the private sector. How do we get the private sector to work with a nonprofit like a daycare or it can be for-profit daycare? And how do we get the school to work with that? Uh, and that's what we're trying to do at the federal level, trying to create easier way where you can have the public sector, like hospitals and stuff like that, or private sector, and give them incentives to get into the daycare business or work with private daycares to make them vibrant. After discussing more of his work on the Farm Bill grant programs for rural communities to use their emergency to use for their emergency medical services and ways to lower taxes and give more money back to small businesses, Feenstra opened the talk to attendees, asking them to address issues that they were concerned about. The biggest concern addressed was border security and how Feenstra didn't support the new border bill. HR 2, we passed House Resolution 2. That was our bill. We passed that in mid-January of this past year. And what that did was shut down the border, build a wall, give money to Border Patrol agents, stop, catch and release, and put in Remain in Mexico. Those were the components. So Langford did put a bill through, and it's bipartisan. But with Langford's bill, it still said that we would allow 5,000 migrants a day before we do anything, 5,000 illegals come through a day. And for some, it's like, including myself, it's like, why are we gonna allow 5,000 to come through a day, unchecked? The way I see it is that the border has to be shut down. We have to know who's coming in and out. Feenstra was met with comments from community members claiming he didn't support the border bill, that the representative didn't vote to give federal money to Audubon County to assist with infrastructure, and how he turned against his words when addressing the pipeline. Feenstra explained bills that he is working on to help these concerns, but was interrupted by questionnaires. Feenstra ended the discussion by saying he understands where Audubon community members are coming from. I'm a small town kid from Hall, and I take it very seriously what I do. And I know you probably, we see things through different lenses, but I also understand that we can voice our opinions. That's why I'm here. I'm glad I'm here. I really am. So I can listen to you, so I can hear a different side, because this is a side I don't always hear. So that's okay. But this is what democracy is. And a representative democracy is going to be messy. It's not going to be easy, because politics does play a part. We always want to try to do what's right, but it's not easy. Flyers from today's discussion have been included with this story at carolbroadcasting.com. In partnership with Calhoun County Public Health, the Stewart Memorial Community Hospital raised over $500 from their SLAM the Stigma Mental Health Awareness event. SLAM the Stigma was held during the Southeast Valley versus South Central Calhoun basketball game on January 31st. Those in attendance were green in support and learned more about available resources in Calhoun County for mental health. The money was raised from t-shirt sales, walking tacos from the concession stand, and donations. The SCC and SV community school districts were presented with checks from CMCH Director of Care Coordination, Darcy Peterson, which will be used to help students in need throughout the districts. 
During Monday's City Council meeting, the City of Glidden and Region 12 Council of Governments renewed the agreement regarding a nuisance ordinance and compliance inspections. City Administrator Brooke Peterson says this agreement was established a few years back to assist the city with identifying areas, specifically residential yards, where hoarding unnecessary object is potentially viewed as an eyesore throughout the community. We wanted to do another round of canvassing prior to our spring cleanup. So that if we have a few properties in town that we identify that need to abate a nuisance, we're kind of giving them a notice that a nuisance that's been identified on your property and here's the spring cleanup coming up. So please take care of this and take proactive action. And then after that, we will continue our abatement effort if we must. But we're hoping that by identifying this and giving them the opportunity to kind of help themselves with our annual spring cleanup, this will solve itself. Peterson says Region 12 wants to send someone to survey the city this week, depending on the weather. We have a few that we get calls about throughout the year or so. We've wrote down a couple addresses that we've just received some complaints about, and then we give that information to Region 12, but they do an entire citywide canvas. So they will drive all the streets and identify any nuisances that, that I may not have time to do or that we haven't been specifically called about, but they are identified as a nuisance. Items that will be looked after during the inspection would be cars sitting on lawns that don't run, have deflated tires, or are not registered in the city, piles of weeds, and any junk left in residential yards. Peterson wants to complete the inspection to allow for plenty of time for the residents to devise a plan to remove the nuisance. But getting a jump on it and getting this done around the beginning of March, that gives everybody plenty of time to receive a notice if they receive one and prepare for the spring cleanup. The Glidden Spring Cleanup is held the first Friday of May each year. This year, that date is May 3rd. While only certain items will be accepted for the cleanup, Peterson says residents with ineligible items can meet with Glidden City Council after receiving a notice to create a plan to discard the reported nuisance. And that has been a look at the first half of your evening news here on KCIM. We will be right back with more after these messages. Hi, this is Dr. Rick Godding. Join me here on KCIM at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings where I talk about orthopedics and whatever else really comes to mind. We have a good time on the show and we would like to invite you to join us. Listen this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on KCIM for the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Rick Godding. For more information about St. Anthony Orthopedics, go to stanthonyhospital.org or call 794-5536. Nutrien Egg Solutions of Breda is looking for a Class A CDL delivery driver who is able to lift 50 pounds to join their team. You'll love being a part of a great team with the best benefits around. Starting on day one, you're eligible for health, dental, and vision insurance. You'll also get benefits like paid holidays, sick leave, personal leave, 401k match, and an amazing three weeks of vacation to start. They're also looking for seasonal drivers for the spring and fall to help out during the busy season. So hurry, apply for the CDL delivery driver or seasonal driver today. Call 673-2305 or stop by Nutrien Egg Solutions in Breda and ask Ask for Kathy. Listen every Wednesday for the Arweva Rocket Review. The Rocket Review gives you a look at what's new each week at the Arweva School District. Rocket Review proudly brought to you every week by Holly Insurance and by Verlund's Plumbing and Heating. Time now for the second half of your evening news here on KCIM. But before we get into a look at the stories, let's take a look at a quick weather forecast with some weather facts from today. So tonight we're looking at snow. Likely there's about a 70% chance of it, but mainly before 8 p.m. Patchy blowing snow between 7 and 9 p.m. Cloudy, then gradually clearing with a low around 9. Wind chill values as low as negative 10. It's going to be windy with wind gusts as high as 40 miles per hour. New snow accumulations of less than 1 inch possible. 
Tomorrow, we're looking at sunny skies with a high near 29. Wind chill values as low as negative 10. Blustery winds with wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour. Wednesday night, clear with a low around 21. Breezy with wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Thursday, sunny with a high near 56. Windy with wind gusts as high as 38 miles per hour. And the winds are going to continue into Thursday night. And we're going to see mostly clear skies with a low around 35. Yesterday's high was 76, which did break the record. So set at 3 p.m. And yesterday's low was 34 set overnight. Sunrise tomorrow will be at 6.58 in the morning, and record high was set back in 2000 with 67 degrees. You know, if Iowa wouldn't have decided to go on a rampage and decided to keep the weather, get the weather cold again, we could have probably beat that record again today. But no, Iowa decided it wanted to have a, a mini winter, so to say. And then record low was negative 23, set back in 1962. And we are in a wind advisory until 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. I forgot to mention that earlier. So now let's take a look at your evening news. On February 13th, the city of Jefferson held a public hearing regarding the rezoning and for a KCG development representative to provide more details on the plan for a new housing development. The Weldon will have approximately 50 apartment units financed through Iowa's housing tax credit program to provide more affordable housing to residents in the area. Community members raised concerns about how many tax credits the development would get, rent income made, tax abatements, and more specifically, why Jefferson? Most felt as if their questions went on deaf ears, as the representative Anna Farewell mentioned many times that she did not have a specific answer and would get back to members. KCG Development Vice President C.J. Littner sent a document on February 20th to city officials answering those unanswered questions. The company says it will apply for $1.3 million in annual tax credits for 10 years to assist with funding the development. The total came to $13 million in credits over a period and will sell for roughly $0.82 cents per dollar. The resulting proceeds of around $10.7 million will be used to fund the construction of the development, contributing to 75% of the total overall cost. If not for receiving housing tax credits, the company said they would not be pursuing the construction of this development. Littner says KCG will also have a cash flow rent income of approximately $35,000 per year after paying $314,000 in annual expenses, which is said to include $42,000 for maintenance, repairs, and to build up the repair reserves funding account, plus $82,000 for the loan payments. The development has applied for the tax abatement and is estimated to save KCG from paying approximately $40,000 in yearly real estate taxes. The issue of the development getting built in a floodplain area was addressed. Littner says it is an easy fix and the engineer and architect will coordinate a plan to bring in fill in soil and regrade the site, adding additional storm drainage and creating a detention pond to hold water on site. Adding additional storm drainage and creating a detention pond to hold. Littner says this area was chosen due to the availability of local amenities nearby and the site size to have a community consisting of the apartment complex, walkways, play areas, gazebos, grilling amenities, community garden, and more. The complete list of questions with the responses has been included with this story on our website. 
The Jefferson City Council has approved of the first reading of changing the ordinance of zoning classification for this lot of the proposed property, with the second reading to be held during tonight's meeting. If approved, the council will vote on the proposed change for a final time during the following city council meeting, which will officially sign the proposed change into law. District 11 Representative Brian Best highlights four bills from the Education and the Commerce Committees during his Week 7 update. House File 2545 was introduced to the House on February 15th regarding school standard review for graduation requirements, including core curriculum, core content standards, and education standards, which will be conducted by the Department of Education. The review director will hold meetings with a committee that contains members from the community to serve as non-voting parties, but provide comments and input for the reviews. House File 2457 was introduced to the House on February 12th, requiring schools to provide Holocaust education to middle and high school students. Best says, with the rise of anti-Semitism, we thought this was an appropriate addition to education. Both bills are to make sure that students understand the American political system and world history better than they do now. Best says in the Commerce Committee, the two bills were passed to deal with the unfair practices by pharmacy benefit managers, saying their practices go underhand and threaten small rural pharmacies. House File 2401 prohibits discrimination of by PBMs requiring profits to return to the employer slash insurer, and an appeals process can be established for pharmacies unable to acquire prescription drugs at the reimbursement rates. House File 2099 comes from the Iowa Department of Insurance and Financial Services, expanding the PBM's duty of good faith and fair dealing to pharmacies, prohibiting any retaliation against pharmacies that follow the laws. Other part of the bill is to make the reporting requirements more straightforward to understand. That bill passed the House on February 21st, and the first reading was conducted in the Senate the following day. Best also provides a list of free upcoming webinars through Iowa State University Extension and Outreach for small and beginning farmers. The webinar aims to inform new farmers and small acreage owners with insight and advice to those just starting out in agricultural operations. The complete list of webinars has been included with this story on our website. And that has been a look at your evening news here on KCIM. This has been Abby Ward reporting.